There's a storm out. There's a storm a brewing, folks. It's episode 136 of the Unicast. The rain is coming down. It's episode 136, and we are joined by Anna Green of Brick and Ivy Venue, also of Anna Green Photography. She's here to join us about her new project starting in spring 2018. Also this week, we're going to recap the Grammys. We're going to talk about those scumbags at Bank of America. We're going to talk about using your cell phones at concert, history lessons, Barney the Dinosaur, Grumpy Cat, uh, Mighty Ducks TV show, so much more, folks. We are happy, as always, to have you here. Blame it on the rain. Welcome to all our new listeners on Stitcher. We are now part of the Stitcher community for Android. So if you are a Stitcher person, you can download the show there. <coughs> See? Crossing multiple platforms. I'm it's not... amazing. Hello to all the Stitcher people. Hey, Stitcher. I will, after we tape, read about Stitcher and what it is. <laughs> so it's... that I will know. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. Uh, episode 136 of the Uticast. I am your host, producer, Guy in the captain's chair, Sam Famolaro, joining me as always. Heather Wozlewski, you're back from your sickness. How do you feel? I'm okay. That's good. You I'm look good. There. I'm getting there, for sure. And of course, Kevin Sullivan, here as always. Good to Here see I you. am. Uh, it's nice to see you. We had a busy weekend. I feel like I saw you a lot this week. It was a busy weekend, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, all over the place. That's for sure. Uh, so we can get to that in a minute. Uh, Heather, I do want to... You weren't here last week. Mm-mm. And I'm sorry, we missed you. Uh, but I did have some tweets I wanted to make you defend in your oh, absence. Uh, number one. Ooh, right off the bat. Right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, right off the bat. So it seems like you've been conflicted about deleting and re-subscribing for your Facebook app. Yes, because it's, it's emotional. <laughs> I, Facebook is, like, awful. So I get on there and I'm like, sometimes I can't watch certain videos unless I have the app downloaded, so I download the app and go watch something. But it's just the people sure. and the news and the amount of junk that's on there now. It's just... I, it's a sewer. It is. It's horrible. I get in there and I'm like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's a great post. Oh, so and so died from this the other day, or so this is happening, or this, and I'm like, this is depressing. I have to delete it. I'm done with you. I deleted. I had a period of time right before I came back to Utica, where I was on a kick of deleting and restarting my actual Facebook page in general, not the app, but just oh, like I would go page? like I would just delete the page oh, for a while it's and a then. Lot of work. I just, I could because it was getting real ugly for a while, mm-hmm. right? And it was, like, not even politics. I just, like, I was just tired of it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then once the podcast sort of needed platforms, like, I guess I'm back. And now I can't get rid of it. Yeah. But I got to be honest, like, outside of posting the show, maybe that's an issue, is that I don't really like to post on Facebook. Outside I don't of look. Playing, yeah. I've, I'm at the point, I've still got all the apps, um, especially something like Facebook. Sometimes you get called in and I have to do something, like, you know, for work or for yeah. an like that. Um, but I've pretty much turned off my notifications mm-hmm. on social media. Like, I don't have any Facebook notifications. And I feel bad because it's like if you go halfway, sometimes it gets you in trouble because either delete it and just don't be on it yeah. or you have to kind of maintain it. Because I've had people be like, hey, you know, I reached out to you on Facebook Messenger and, you know, try to get a hold of you about this or that. I'm like, I don't, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't look. I don't see it. Yeah. I don't have the Messenger, any of the stuff like that. And then 
people get kind of mad and they think you're ignoring them, but you're right. I don't post. I don't really look. I don't even scroll anymore. Well, I'm I hoping try not Facebook's to. changing their algorithm. Yeah. I'm hoping that this new algorithm that they're going with will make it a little bit more easier to deal with. Well, what cracks me up about, like, Facebook is <laughs> it's just... It's so ingrained now, it's too easy to not use it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have terror. This, this happens every day to me on Facebook, okay? Here we go. I open up Facebook app. Primarily what I'm looking for at this point in time is if there's a message in the Maiden Utica, like, group page to see if there's anything I need to be mm-hmm. doing, right? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it'll say, like, 10-plus notifications. Yes. And then of those 10 notifications, eight of them are just, like, your friends all like this thing. I'm like, why are you telling me this? Is this directed mm-hmm. at me? No. Then don't tell me I have a notification I unless know. it's someone sending me a message. And for right? a minute, you feel good about yourself. You're like, oh, 20 notifications? This is awesome. No. Well, no. that's and no. what you just said right there is the trick. That's why it's hard. You said you feel good about yourself. I know. That's just... People use this, like, oh, people are interacting with me. People have likes. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean... Some of the founders of Facebook have come out and said all they're doing is that gives you a little hit of dopamine when somebody yeah, does yeah. that and, and it's, it's getting addicted like anything else because people get that validation through social media and it makes it what's so hard to quit for people, especially, you know, real heavy users. It's hmm. tough to put it down and walk away because you miss that validation. You realize you're not getting it anywhere else in your life and then right. without it's like a, it. It's like a bad relationship. Yeah. You're like, you just hmm. keep going back and this is just not going to end well. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. I talk about this all the time. They let, they let me down over and over again and I keep thinking this is the year they're going to change and they never do. It's always the same. They always let me down. Uh, Heather, you had one more thing I wanted to ask no. you about. This is an easy one, though. Okay. You seemed pretty dead set this week, according to Twitter, on getting some of these Taco Bell nacho fries. They were out. They were out when you went to this. Did you ever get to try no, I haven't tried nacho fries? And I tried to go to Taco Bell a couple times a month. <laughs> pretty much every... And by a couple times a month, she means when she leaves here every on Monday, she's like, I'm going to Taco Bell. Which is pretty much true. They didn't, I didn't have any, so I'm going to try again this week. Can I tell you that I tried them? No. They're pretty good. I didn't want to hear that. They're pretty good. You didn't want to hear that they no, were I good? wanted to know that. Did I to be the first to tell you guys about it. <laughs> That's all right. I had to try them because I, I work in a place where I pass a Taco Bell okay. like every day. So I had to. It was a dollar. Come That's on. Give me. So um, I do want to talk briefly about Do It For Utica Weekend. Yeah. Um, first off, to each of you guys, singularly and as a group, Kevin, thank you for everything this week. It was a lot of, I know there was a lot of work that went into this weekend, getting everything going for you guys. Yeah, after all, no, you guys had the hard job. Our stuff is easy. Yeah. We just unlock the doors and pour the beers. Yeah. <laughs> and Heather, you probably don't get quite enough credit for what you do to go oh, set up those, uh, those vendors, vendors and getting everybody happy and That's comfortable. That's my favorite part, though. Yeah. I love working with them and contacting them and getting them in there and... It's nice there. that that's your favorite part because for a lot of people, I feel like that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. part that a lot of people don't like to do. Yeah. So it's nice that you not only like, okay, I'll do this, but you're like, no, I love this. this yeah. is good. I thought, it's funny you say that because I assumed the best part for you was when your son went to the bathroom so bad that your <laughs> husband had to leave and go get new clothes yeah. for him and come yeah. back. He, oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> while we were there, he decided, I'm going to poop my pants, literally. And it went up his sweater, you know, Ooh, pants. And Zach called one. me from the car. He's like, I have to go home. I have to leave Literally right had to go now. dunk him in the bathtub. <laughs> I have to leave right yeah. now. Poor boy. Yeah. Wow, shout out to Kaz. That was not my, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> 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 High five. Good job, uh, boy. Man. Yeah, uh, shout cool. out again to all the vendors, everyone who was they there. Um, there was good. There were some really good vendors yeah. there. Yeah. I had, I tried earlier to see if I could remember everybody without having to look it up. It was, uh, all right, let me see if I can do this. Retro Sorrento, Maria, thank you for that. I remember people's names, but I don't remember everybody's business name. Our good friends from Character Coffee, who've been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Birch, Bear, uh, Birch Bark and Berry, 
My mom actually Family had one. Family of mine. Yeah, Isn't great folks. Yeah, they're they're great. Her stuff's amazing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Law Studio, my good mm-hmm. friend Gavin Law, GFOP. Uh, Michelle Truitt and her son with Skyline Prince, great folks. Uh, the Three Village Cheese Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Flores with We Buy Gold Flags. Awesome to see Eric uh, Flores. Adirondack Inc. Yes. Boom! Nice work. That's pretty good, right? Nice work. That's all right. She had some cool stuff. She was designing those pucks yeah. that were there. Mm-hmm. That was cool stuff. And I, I also want to thank our good friends from the OD, Greg, uh, Greg Mason, who came out again, as he always does, to come support us. It was mm-hmm. nice. Had a nice chat. Yeah, because I don't know if you knew this. If you went to certain news outlets <laughs> to read about Do It For Utica Weekend, you might be confused into thinking that we had nothing at all to do with oh, it. Yeah. Did you know that? I... <laughs> Did you know that? A little bit disappointing, some huh. of them. Huh. One of them. <laughs> Strange. Uh, but no, regardless, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on that. We already had enough fun on Twitter this week. Uh, the point is, I want to thank everybody in the community who came out. It was an excellent time. I was so happy to, to see everybody and all everyone having a good time. Really enjoyed the silent auction. Really had a good time. Silent the auction got really popular it and did. contentious towards the end. For like the last 20, 30 minutes, there were people there like bidding wars just running laps with pens oh, yeah. some of those prices up. That's kind of how it goes with the silent auctions. Though. Yeah. The action's slow at first. You don't want to put that well, first bid down. I was talking to Erin Higgins earlier in the event and she was like, I can't believe there aren't that many bids. You know, this is crazy. I, mean, I, I thought, thought this would be doing thing, better. Though. And but we've done a bunch of silent auctions. You know, we do them at the brewery locks. Mm. We are at the epicenter of a huge collectibles market, and brewery collectibles is you know a big field for people who collect. And we do a lot of silent auctions. That's normally how they are. Is they're quiet right up at the beginnings. People are waiting to see. They're like, well, I'm not going to start pushing the price up if I don't have to, because maybe I'll be the only one who wants to bid on exactly. this. But that last hour or so before you call it is when you start to see all the bids coming in and people going, you know, one after the other after the other. What was the thing from the office? Was it where Dwight just looked up the actual price of all the things and bid it because he thought it was get closest <laughs> to the real price? He's like, I just the internet, guys, I got this. Um, but it was packed. I just want to say real quick, I couldn't believe how packed it was in there. I yeah. when I first started, I'm like, oh, it'll be busy. But it was not. It totally exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it was full. I, I, mean, I couldn't we believe were it. Upstairs there. and downstairs too. Yeah, I heard they sell out of beer. What? Is that true? They ran out of you. We did. We <laughs> did. I heard that. I heard that. No. <laughs> two separate times, we had to run down into the facility of the brewery down in the keg cooler. We keep the kegs, <laughs> and um, had to go get more Utica Club. We had to get more Utica Club, more Caramel Porter, and more Pale Ale. That's awesome. But we had to go for Utica Club twice. That's awesome. <laughs> so you guys ready to get some other stuff this week? Some news stories, if you will. Let's do it. All right, uh, we didn't watch it last night because we were busy watching uh, one of the great nights in wrestling. Quick shout out to Manja McCreenis for coming and being outside. Oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah, Chris. Pizza for everybody, awesome. too. I had a great time talking yeah. to Chris, actually, about soccer after the event was over because that's what we always I saw you. You were so happy. You guys love, <laughs> love the soccer talking. chat. I <laughs> know. Uh, I've talked to Chris many times. I need to get him on the show. He's next He's next on my list of people. And yeah. Yeah, just got to get time Has he not been on the show? We've danced around it many times, and it's just finding schedule. I feel like you guys have danced around it so much, I feel like he has been. He's not. That's crazy. He's not. He's next. He's coming up. I'm going to get him soon. I'm going to try. So we didn't watch it last night because we were watching uh, one of the great wrestling events of the year, the Royal Rumble, was last night. Uh, But did you know last night was the 2018 Grammys? I had heard. I heard it. Um, I didn't watch any of it. It seems that Bruno Mars was the big winner. He seemed to win uh, lots of stuff. I have no issues with Bruno Mars, by the way. Mm -mm. Um... Although it seems like the general consensus this morning, reading everything, was that everyone hated this Grammys and it was kind of bad. That's the consensus every year. Well, that's the literal exact word to word. I think the rap community the didn't get what. Well, yeah. I think it was and the, they, the rap community and the rock and, and roll community don't have judges that understand them. The show wasn't that great. Let's it not was forget, Lords was up for album of the year, and she was the only one, only person not asked to perform. 
Yeah, but Sting and you two perform three times each, like a night, which is really weird. Uh, that was the other narrative. Uh, I guess this is a story they talk over and over again, right? And I think the only issue that is getting a lot of press this time is it seemed like they were getting the Grammy committee was getting a lot of good buzz because they had chosen all these diverse hip hop and choices for once. So it was like Jay Z and and Kendrick for like the fifth year in a row, like five out of three of the last five years, and then they still ended up with probably the safest choice for pretty much everything. Um, I did not care about the Grammys, so we won't go too much farther into it. Well, actually, this only thing I ever care about is performances. I was gonna say performances are always great. Are you interested in watching any of the performances, like in hindsight? I don't know who performed. I I haven't seen a a single thing, but yeah, I'd probably like to see every single one of them. I I always like to see people perform. I heard Kesha apparently was very good. She brought the house Mm -hmm. down from what people were saying last night. So yeah, Grammys, uh, predictable. There you go. Have any of you guys ever had Bank of America? No. Never been a Bank of America customer. Why is that? I. I don't. I've never had a reason. It's never seen. Mm-hmm. Bank of America is a horrible, rotten, evil company, and <laughs> I don't know. I got. I got started. I was lucky enough. My dad started me on local credit unions when mm-hmm. I was young, and just the the comparison between dealing with a local credit union and a faceless corporate monster like Bank of America or whatever they yeah, call yeah. themselves now, and there was just never an appeal. And it's and that's a fair point. That's a, what a lot of people seem to be saying. Mm-hmm. Bank of America. You ever had a Bank of America big no. bank account? Yeah. No. I had a Bank of America account in New York City because living down there, it kind of made sense. There was Bank of America's all over the place. There was one here still in Utica, so if I had to take money here, I'd have to go to the places. Um, but I got out of that once I left New York, and Bank of America was convenient, but like a bank's a bank. I'm not like, going to buy into a bank like it's the end-all, be-all. Yeah. They're getting lots of bad press this week, as they deservedly should. Uh, for ending free checking options for low-income customers and sort of doing it a little clandestine, like just moving people over to a new platform. Mm -hmm. It's kind of shady. You any thoughts about this? Well, I think some, too, if they have, like, under, like, $1,500, they get charged, too. Yes. Which is kind of sad, also, because, Mm. you know. Uh, Yeah, the the accounts that people are now put into, as opposed to their free ones, require customers to maintain a minimum daily balance of $1,500 or at least one direct deposit a month of 250 or more. Which comes out to about three thousand dollars annually, which that seems a little bit more feasible. I suppose. Yeah, the one but, direct deposit's not bad. Yeah, but the fifteen fifteen hundred a month is pretty. That's checking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. For, that's tough for. It just seems like you're aiming at a very specific group of people who are going to have. Well, to you're, end up you're, you're trying to cut a specific no, the, group of people yes. out. Yeah. They don't want people bouncing checks anymore. I think and things like that. So they're just trying to. I'll say this: I'm at one of them credit unions. I feel real good about yeah. it. I'm Maricu. I love them. Yeah. I don't... Do, maybe you guys can... This is a good segment. Explain it to Sam if you know the answer. What's the difference between a bank and a credit union? Um... I don't know. I don't mean to put anybody on the spot. I feel like... I, no, I feel like I could, I could explain it to you if we were sitting and talking about it, but I don't feel like I can say it concisely enough to, like, offer opinion on the show. But basically the idea of the... When you've got a credit union, it's... It's locally owned by all the people. All your money is right, local. Right. You know what I mean? It's, you've got, it's a little bit more of a partnership type situation that you have with mm-hmm. the bank uh, is the way that I've always understood and it's mm-hmm. explained to me as opposed to you know a larger national bank that doesn't really have any direct care over you or where you are or your community. Like sure. when I've had to take out, when I've taken out loans for like, you know, vehicles or different things like that mm-hmm. at GPO, it's always nice because I can walk right in, walk, right. walk right there and talk to the lady that I've known that like yeah. knew my dad for a long time, that, you know, stuff like that. And it was a little bit more personalized service where people tend to know and care. That's the stuff that I've always noticed. That's how AmeriQ is, too. Like, yeah, our, yeah. our mortgage is through them. Everything's mm-hmm. through AmeriQ. Yeah, since we're just naming banks, I'm actually at First Source now, and I had yeah. that issue with uh, with PayPal, and they were pretty accommodating. 
More accommodating than Bank of America would have been. That's kind of like we don't care about you. That's what I find the difference to be is that they go out of their way to you know to to take care. Yeah, yeah. Well, because again, I think too the people you deal with are going to be a little bit more local. They're not like a nameless commodity the way you're not it is calling for a call center. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're calling a building, yeah. not a call center. All right, let's move on from that. Uh, so. You guys like Jack White, White Stripes? Anybody got yeah. love for the White Stripes? I love Jack White. Would you go see him live? No. I am going to see him live. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't you go see him? I'll, I'll go with you. You should go. Okay, you can come. You're going live? What are you going? going? He's coming to Oma Gang. Oh, oh that's right. They just announced yeah, yeah, yeah. it a week or two ago, yeah. He's coming to Cooperstown. Well, uh, I'd like to get you guys' opinion on this. Uh, he's become the latest big-name performer to take an active stance against people looking at their cell phones, or even more annoyingly, using them to record him at his concerts. Uh, this is not new. Dave Chappelle and Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses and stuff have been getting press for this. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts Bob about... Bob Dylan did it. A lot of people do yeah. it now. That's silly. Well, I think... silly to be like that. <laughs> well, what your... Let me hear you. What, what are your thoughts are? What are they going to do with it? They're just, they're just recording a moment there at the concert. It's not like sure. they're going to be able to make an album out of it and go listen to it in their car Well, that's later. not... That's, that's exactly why he's doing it is because you're there. Yeah, like, but... So have the moment. Yeah, but how it's good is the sound quality going to be to be able to like... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awful. That's the point. Why would you take I know, so I don't think it's a big deal that people bring their cell phones and record things or... I think, I, what do you mean? You're he's, talking about he's, he's not concerned that people are going to bootleg his show. No, that's what I said. Like I don't that. think it's a he big deal. He just wants that. people involved in the actual experience to be of the in concert. The moment, yeah, to be there. Because it's, it's pretty obnoxious to be at a lot of shows and you've got a whole wall of like cell phones kind of blocking and everybody's got their phone up with some light for some video you're never going to watch again. It's going to have garbled audio just to Snapchat. I, mean, so I, I, oh, I, I was here. I agree with you. I just don't think you can change the way the world is going yeah, right now. I, I get your point, though. Like, How do you enforce this? You have somebody out there in the crowd be like, Excuse me, sir. That's like, what Bob really? Dylan did, yeah. Oh, God, that would but drive Bob me Dylan nuts. can do it. It's Bob Dylan. You don't like, think Jack? I think Jack, Jack too. He's not nuts. If you, I feel like if you're putting on a show and you're performing, you have the right to... You can't change the way the world is going, but you can change what goes on at your shows, and that's your mm-hmm. right. And if people don't like it, they don't have to buy a ticket. Okay. You know what I mean? No, I get that. And I, I've sort of fallen in between. Like, I've... When we go to events, like, I always go back to this. I went to see a Lagwagon concert, for anyone who can oh. reference that band. There's one for you. And I went with my GFOP, Anthony Colenzo. Shout out to Anthony Colenzo. Love you, buddy. Uh, we were in New York, and we went to go see Lagwagon, and I did not record anything on the phone until right at the very end, because right at the end, I kind of wanted something to remember the show by. I like to by. snap a couple pictures. Yeah. Like, if I can get, like, a good shot, like, the stage lights and everything, like, you can really yeah. sort of, like, take it in. Because videos, the sound is in the pictures I like to see, have. I have that whole video. Well, not anymore because my phone died, so I lost it anyway. But mm. on my old phone, I had that full two-minute video of Lagwagon playing the song May 16th, which they closed the show with. And I was like, this is a dope moment because I love this song, and I like being able to watch it. And yeah, the sound quality is not great, but I still remember being there with my buddy mm-hmm. and watching this song that I like. So I'm sort of... I, I see yeah. both sides yeah, here. Like, exactly. How much did you watch the video? Watch it with you guys a couple times. It's nice to have memories it. to go back I, and look at. I'm not expecting to keep it for like you know I mean like I'm I'm sure that I won't I won't be thinking about it 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that video I don't have anymore, but mm-hmm. in the moment you want it, you want to show mm-hmm. people that you were there. It's fun to show people things. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I do get the idea of people being disinterested in the show because that like as it's happening, that happens almost every time you go anywhere now. Even in movie theaters, mm-hmm. we it's talk almost about like it. as the artist's point of view is like you don't care. I'm yeah. relevant right now to you. Like well, I'm up here singing for you, well, and you're on your phone. Furthermore, I, yeah, I can see why I, them I feel like if you're the artist, you're probably like I'd rather play to 2,500 people that know every word of my songs and are here and really want to see this show and will be here on this like cathartic journey with me as I put on this show. 
instead of playing to 10,000 people and a bunch of them were there it's like oh Jack Black I've heard of that guy I guess we're out here yeah you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I feel like if you're the artist like look at just if only a small amount of people mm-hmm. want to come come but come and right. be passionate and enjoy this you know singular experience I get, no, and I get that in some of the best concert experiences I've ever been to I don't have any footage of because you get caught up in the mm-hmm. moment like radio I wish I had some footage from that Radiohead concert that one I would still probably watch <laughs> but uh, you know, like I, mm. I'm probably better off for not having well, any plus, recordings of that moment. I feel like also ever. in the age of YouTube, if you want to watch that Radiohead show, go watch it. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean. But you're relying on somebody else to tape it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you know I mean? especially like, well, you saw them. I mean, at, bon- at Bonnaroo, where you've got like ten different right, HD camera true. crews putting yeah. together stuff for like, a DVD point. and everything. Yeah. I usually give myself like a minute or two. If it's during like a song or something, I don't care about much because I actually don't like to be taken out of, of the, the experience right, when I'm right, on the right. show. Like I don't, I'm not checking my phone. I'm not looking. If somebody can't find me, if you get lost in the crowd, I'll look after the show. You know what I mean? I actually don't like being pulled out of it. So that's I think why I understand where he's coming from a little bit. Heather, what's the best live concert you ever saw? Um, I'm trying to think. I haven't been to a lot of them, but I was a big Dave Matthews fan. So I always been on a good I, show. Dave Matthews is one of my favorite concerts I went to. Probably asked you this before on the show, Kevin. What was your... I feel like, I mean, the boring answer is is Radiohead because it's just different. Um, I've been to a lot of good ones. I will say... uh, Do festivals count? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Because Woodstock 99 probably would be the best one I went to then. Rage Against the Machine was great. (laughs) Rage Against the Machine was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, Recently, when I went to see Run the Jewels at Terminal 5, it it exceeded expectations in a great way, and I had pretty high expectations. It's kind of a weird one. Uh, I always go back to Bon Iver. I did not expect mm. Bon Iver to rock so hard when I saw him. He was excellent. He was mad about the Grammys. He, did you see him? He was tweeting. He's always tweeting mad. like crazy at Bruno Mars. He doesn't think Bruno Mars deserves it. No, he deserved that. I thought that Kendrick deserved it. He's had three of the... I, the categories are such a mess. Like, I know I people know. were nominated. I don't know who was nominated for a while. I don't know Well, Jay-Z on. won an award the night before for, like, his career, like, define. They gave him, like, a career award the night before, and then he got 0 for 8 in the Grammys. I don't know how we got back to the Grammys. Well, because they didn't nominate Reasonable Doubt. A career award <laughs> That's a great point. That's true. Album you put out this year award. So, uh, I'm not going to talk... Eh, well, I guess we'll get to this. You guys want to talk about Toys R Us? It's kind of sad. Uh, what have they done? Well, Toys R Us, the nostalgic favorite, even among shoppers uh, who've moved to Amazon and Walmart, is planning to close up 182 stores, or about 20% of their U.S. Oh, locations. Yeah. Tough for them. Um, do what are they going to do with all these retail buildings? Ooh, it's a great question. As retail stores Hopefully continue stays, to close, what do you think happens to all these buildings? They would be... What type of thing could you retrofit them for? Because they wouldn't, because they're weird. They're like cavernous, they're not a ton of windows. They're all going to turn into Amazon and Google stores. Yeah. What, okay, so what, what even is an Amazon or a Google store? What do you just buy at an Amazon store? Same shit you buy on Amazon.com, except yeah. less of it. So, more there's no lying. You just pay for it with your phone. So, you oh, yeah, yeah. We t- I think we talked about... We just talked about that one last week. They're going to run... That's a whole sketchy no, no, no. thing. All the big... Here's my crazy conspiracy theory for the week. The Amazons and Googles and all these companies in the world are going to run out all the small businessmen the way that Walmart did for the other small business, and they're going to take over their landscape. Yeah, but that, I mean, I feel like my question still remains, if you, if you close 20 retail locations in an area... And okay, so you get an Amazon store and you get a Google store. Right. And okay, that's, that's two. There's still 18 buildings. Start I'm picking. curious. I feel like retail locations Start. are really specific kind of building, and I don't know what happens to them. 
see. Well, one of the things they talk... Oops, sorry, what did you say? No, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Well, one of the things that's interesting about Toys R Us, and they talked about, is Toys R Us is what you would consider, I never heard this before, a category killer store, which is something that's sort of taken a hit in the modern era of the way we shop. Like, what these that? stores that specifically do one thing. Mm. Yeah. We only... You want toys? You go to Toys R Us. Why would you go to Sears or wherever else that has some toys in this? Just go to the one place that's got all the all toys, the right? Mm-hmm. And in this current sort of market... I don't necessarily think that that model is totally fluid anymore. Well, I'd be honest Not with all you, the time, certainly. Buying toys for Kaz, I probably went to Toys R Us like once. I was, I I was, was just going to I ordered you. online, or I was if I was at a store like a Bosco's or something like that, mm. I would pick up wherever I saw toys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been in Toys R Us, and it's unfortunate because... And I don't want to get all crazy, but they their setup is terrible in there. Yes. Oh, it's and so bad. You are like, you're trying to find an age group, and it's one part of the store, and you're like, is this it for this age group? And you're all yes. over the place, and it's horrible. See, you're like a you're you're a retail whisper. You can see these things. I don't know almost the first thing about <laughs> retail, retail and I go in there, and I'm like, this layout's bad. This is this, this is awful. Is, and they have like, like it feels weird to be. Yeah, in there. and they sell enough candy at the register, which is like, all the candy. <laughs> all candy in the world is put right there. You know what's crazy? But, too? And this is going. All the way back, because when I was a kid, I would go to Toys R Us. My dad, I was pretty spoiled as a kid, right? My dad had a lot of uh, spending cash, we'll call it. And uh, it's so bad. Disposable income. To be fair, to be fair. Anyhow, so he would take me to Toys R Us. I would say like once every two weeks or so, just to go do something, Mm -hmm. right? And it was always very easy to know exactly where I wanted to go. Aisle eight in the back, where all the action figures were. Like it was very straightforward. I feel like. Stores in general have become much harder to navigate. Absolutely. I don't know. I feel like one of the things that's happened as, you know, um, especially toys have gone over, and it's always kind of been this way, but since they've continued to double down on licensing, like, you know, Marvel movies and all this different stuff, now when you go in, and I don't know if it was this way when I was a kid or maybe I just didn't notice it because I was a kid and you don't yeah. look at the world the same way, but I think it's interesting how if you go to, like, Toys R Us now, there's aisles based on, like, the brand. Brand, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. there's the Batman aisle, and yeah. there's the wrestling aisle, and there's yeah. the Marvel aisle. <laughs> and the... Whereas when I was a little kid, it was the action figures, and it was literally every All action them, figure yeah, we yeah. have is on this aisle. Like, it doesn't matter what the brand is, yeah. right? Whereas, opposed, you go to the Batman aisle, it's the Batman action figures, and the, the games, shirt, and yeah, the suits, yeah. and the yeah. shirts, and the, the guns. It's, the almost, it's almost too much. That's, like, a mental overload in there. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that's all for now. I'll save this last story for the second half. Maybe Perfect. we'll get to it then. Um, and let's get into this week's uh, guest. Uh, Anna Green. Uh, you may know her from Anna Green. Yeah, she's your friend on Facebook. That's how I knew it was okay to add her. Because I never know. <laughs> when you have, like, a name that, like, I'm not saying that there's a billion Anna Greens, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know her very well before this, so I'm like, I don't want to add just every Anna Green. Yep. So thank you for being you're friends wo- with her so I could reference it on Facebook. Uh, she's here today to talk to us about her new venue that's opening up. Uh, she won't tell me where, but it is coming out it's in awesome. the spring of 2018. Uh, Brick and Ivy Venues. That's brickandivyvenue.com. Uh, she joined us here to talk a little bit about uh, photography, about finding the venue, and about what's coming up. We'll be back to the show in just a minute. Now, 
now everything we say okay. going forward okay. is the interview. Sounds good. I'm not going to make fun of you for drinking uh, that Starbucks coffee <laughs> in the studio. I, I won't. I won't. I promise. Hey, I got it from Barnes & Noble. What are you going to say? You know what's funny about that Barnes & Noble Starbucks? I got really frustrated when I went there last week because I have a niece who's 14 years old and she lives out in Chicago and she is addicted to Starbucks. That's what she wants all the time. She wants Starbucks coffee, latte, whatever. She likes to feel like an adult, I suppose. So for Christmas, she wanted a Starbucks gift card, which I felt was like the most imp- like the most impersonal Christmas gift I could possibly come up with. So I went to this Barnes & Noble to go to the Starbucks, and they apparently won't sell you gift cards there because it's not really? technically a real Starbucks, right? Like it's a Starbucks cafe or whatever it's called, right? Sure. So I had to go to a different location to buy Starbucks cards as opposed to the actual Starbucks at Barnes & Noble, which I needed a Barnes & Noble gift card for. It's very confusing, Starbucks and Barnes & Noble. Oh, ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I appreciate you coming by, though. It's very, I appreciate, I know it's sort of uh, late in the day for me to ask you, but you've been sort of floating around on our radar for a while, my uh, my GFOP, Kate Riley, the uh, the lady behind Made in Utica. She had mentioned that I should come talk to you, so I'm very happy that you joined us today. And of course, we are joined today by Anna Green, uh, of Anna Green Photography and also Brick and Ivy, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Um, Anna, it's a pleasure to have you here. Likewise. Uh, a couple things I want to get out of the way first. Number one, are you familiar with an event? You're, I think you're in the same age range as I am. I, I did my research. Sure. Do you know what the Royal Rumble is? I do not. You do not know what the I Royal Rumble not. is? Okay. I can't wait to hear what it is. No, it's, like, it's all right. It's a professional wrestling event that takes place. Okay. Uh, it's a big Royal Rumble, Battle Royal. People get in the ring, throw each other out. We had a lot of folks over from the Maiden Utica crew watching the Royal Rumble last night. So I'm going to apologize for the shabby state of our studio. <laughs> uh, I do apologize. It's not normally as cluttered and messy as this. I do appreciate oh, it. Oh, your secret safe with um, And also, I have to say, I'm always curious about this. I don't ask people enough. Is this the first time you've ever been on a podcast, quote-unquote? It is. It is. It Do you is. know anything about podcasts at all? Uh, embarrassingly enough, I, I, <laughs> I don't know much. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's fine. I'm always curious. This is a, one of the things I've really enjoyed about doing the show since I've been here, is it's a nice dichotomy. Half the people who come on the show are either podcast nerds, and they love listening to podcasts <laughs> all the time, or have no idea what I'm doing or talking about and assume it's just the radio. But uh, that's right. I'm just curious. Uh, and Anna, I have to say, I'm just going to throw this out there. Anna Green is a wonderful name. It sounds like a made-up name. I feel Thank like you. it sounds like a name that you came up with after you moved to Hollywood. <laughs> and you were like, I don't want to be Anna Greenkowski Johnson, right? Like some long name. I'm just going to be Anna Green. So very good. Uh, Anna, I guess I'll start with a good question for you. We're going to talk about... Uh, Brick and Ivy. Let's start. Let's go back to the beginning because we like to know a little bit about our folks. Uh, Anna, where were you born and raised? I was actually born in Utica. You were born in Utica. Raised in Old Forge. Old Forge. I love Old Forge, by the way. However, as a guy who grew up in Utica for a long time, I always think of Old Forge as that place where the water safari is uh. and the Pied Piper. <laughs> and I'm, cu- I'm curious if what. What's it like growing up there and living there all the time? You see, you must see a lot of people just coming in the summertime to do stuff like yeah, that, Yeah, right? I mean, it's um, it, it's hard in the summer. It's, we all joke that you literally can't take a left-hand turn. Oh, yeah. It's wild. Until mm-hmm. August so did, 30th, 
first. <laughs> I, well, it's, it seems crazy. Like, I, I always think about it. I went up to Maine a few years ago for vacation with my family, and we went to, like, a very clearly vacation tourist town. I'm like, man, these townies must hate all of us. Did you, like, initially... Like, the, is your first thought when you see something like, oh, look at these people going on the water safari? It's my got to be your first thought, right? I like. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. Well, I, the only reason I bring it up, I guess, is because I'm sure that there's probably part of you that, like, feels somewhat, like, some ownership of it. Like, when people come to Utica, I feel sort of some sort of, like, ownership of growing up there. Like, sure. That must have been a big thing for you growing up. Like you must have went to that movie theater in Old Forge growing up. That must have been a big. Oh thing. yeah, <laughs> I love Absolutely. that movie theater. <laughs> Great movie theater. Uh, so you're raised. You're born in Utica. You're raised in Old. How long were you in Old Forge? You all went through high school up there. Uh, yep, and then I lived down in New York for a little while, oh, and then nice. um, made my way to Albany for college. Mm. Where in New York were you? Um, my I lived with my father. Um, immediately following high school, mm-hmm. and I worked at a production company in oh, New nice. York City because he lived um, in Westchester County. So oh, I nice. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I did the Rockland County thing for a while. I had family in Rockland County. Oh yeah, that's a little more north. A little bit more north, yeah. and I was and I was living in uh, well, I was living there, and I was going to college in Manhattan like three days a week, and it oh, was wow. oh, oh, it was brutal. Oh. I, I hated that commute. It's terrible. I could not yeah. stand. I didn't have a car either, so I'm trying to like do it on like the buses and stuff, and that was a real real Ugh. pain. Did you like living downstate? I did. I, I absolutely love the Hudson Valley too. I feel like that's kind of. Yeah, I think it's uh, Hudson Valley is always popular. People who people who mm-hmm. stay down there and spend enough time there always seem to immediately fall in love with it. Um, New York City, it seems like as a guy I spent like six years in Brooklyn. I do think that New York City is sort of a fifty-fifty. Like you either you're either into it or you're not. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And. And I think after a certain amount of time, you'll find out whether you want to or not, if it's for, the, for you for the long run. Yes. What, uh, what brought you back to Albany? Um, college. College. And you went to St. Rose or say, uh, University I of Albany? I went to SUNY Albany. SUNY Albany. Yes. Very nice. And what were, you, what were you studying out there? I was actually studying um, biology to really? do pre-med. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> which, Interesting. Yeah, which turned into this somehow. <laughs> well, I think that's fascinating because it's... One of the things that happens all the time in the show is people will tell me what they did for college or will get into like yeah. college stuff. And more often than not, it's not what they do now. So you went to college for biology. You thought you were going to be in a pre-med. When did, that, when did you sort of decide this wasn't going to be something that happened for you? I, you know, to be honest with you, I can't pinpoint it exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it just was a kind of a slow realization that mm-hmm. it just wasn't going to be for me. And, right, right. Um, I ended up... Um, working for um, my ex-husband's family business, mm-hmm. which is the water park. Sure, and, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I did graphic design and a lot of advertising there, and as well as I ran the photography mm. department. Sure. So um, that's kind of where I got my, my start with the photography mm. end of it, um, and then eventually kind of branched off and started doing my own mm. thing, and I've been doing that since. Very nice. And that's uh, you're still doing the photography now? I am, yes. Uh, that's uh, onagreenphotography.com, if I do that right? Correct. Okay. What do you sort of, what's your sort of style that you specialize in? Do you do wedding stuff? Do you do um, events mostly? I do, I do mostly weddings. I mean, that's like the, kind of the... Seems to be the core for a yeah, lot of people, it, it, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll shoot some high school seniors and families and stuff like that. So growing up, I always, I love photography. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, uh-huh. but I... And I think that I probably, I grew up with enough guys who were video editors and doing that kind of thing where I, I understand a good shot. I understand, mm-hmm. like, the aesthetics. Okay, I think about it like this. There was always this critique about Justin Timberlake. They're like, <laughs> he's a great musician, but he doesn't know how to play any instruments, but he just knows what sounds right, right? 
I sometimes feel that way about like video and and like artwork. Like I don't know why I like something or why I think it's good, but a lot of times I'm like, I think that's better than something else. And yeah. I think I'm putting sounding really pretentious to myself, but uh, like somewhere along the way with photography, like I, I love the way it looks, but when you're doing it for a wedding, I feel like there's always this concern that what you have in your head is not going to be what the people have in their head. Absolutely, like, that's is that something you have to like sort of talk out with them beforehand like what their vision um, for I it mean, is they're, they're essentially hiring you for what they've seen uh, of, of your work of your yeah, examples yeah. Mm-hmm. um and it's best when they just kind of go with it and trust your right ability and judgments and you know when when you're in a, a really crappy lighting situation for a lot right of terms, for sure um that you know with heavy suggesting that we you know, either if it's if it we're able to move, mm-hmm. let's move and get the better shot in yeah. the better lighting conditions. Or um, if it's not a possibility, then you just work with what you sure. have. But it's yeah, wedding photography is is, is a toughie. <laughs> well, I used to think about it with like uh, with music, right? Because I used to play music growing up, mm-hmm. and it was like, man, I wish. I'd love to play, like, in a wedding band because it seems like a good gig. Like, you go in, the crowd's pretty much captive there. They're ready to yeah. hear what you want to play. You already know it. But then I don't have to deal with... But if you're in the band or music-type situation, you don't have to deal with them generally after the show's over. You do the thing, you do right. the event. And so once the wedding's over, that's sort of when the real work begins for, like, for you guys. Like, having to send all the stuff back out, having to edits or re-edits and stuff like that. That seems to me like that's where I would lose Takes my... Takes forever, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, similarly with the music thing, Growing up around musicians, I would always find two core types of musicians. Musicians who either listened to nothing at all, no other music besides the music mm-hmm. they wrote and that's it, or musicians who dove into every piece of music that they could possibly uh, find, regardless of whether they liked it or not. And I wonder with art forms sometimes that aren't that I'm not as familiar with, like photography and, and classical art like that, does that sort of work that way too? Do you do you look at tons and tons of photography, or do you never look at photography and just sort of go with what you? I do. I, I follow it so much mm. now on social media portals. Makes it easier. That, well, yeah, yeah where, where some of it is just losing its its I don't know, not pizzazz or the effect that it used to have on me. Now mm. everything just seems like white noise to me when I look at it. Well, that's a great point, and uh, I think one of the things I talk about all the time with. Uh, growing up in the era that I did, I had to go to an actual music, like, studio, like a recording studio to record when I was a young man, right? Like, I didn't have the garage band programs that I'm using right, currently, right, right? right? The access for me to have high-quality recording and high-quality music stuff wasn't really there. Now, with all the platforms and the, like, ease of technology, it seems like, if I'm going back to photography for a second, it seems like it's easier for someone to have a nicer camera and like nicer supplies where there's w- lots of people doing this. Like there's more of a platform for everybody, but it sort of dilutes the product because everyone can do it now, right? Like it leaves you sort of... Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And it sort of, like, str- I feel like it must be a struggle sometimes to be like, how can I Keep make my product yeah. Yeah, stand yeah, ahead of somebody else? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, the, I mean, that's, it's like that, I mean, I guess with anything, but um, especially with, Photography, or I guess the wedding industry mm-hmm. in yeah. and of itself is you got to kind of be two steps ahead, otherwise, someone's going to go and replace you. Well, the other one that gets me too is like when you're at a wedding, you know, that's a job. 
for the people who were there at that wedding, that's like a life moment. There's a lot of pressure yes, on that. So it's a yes. big moment for these people. So you also don't want to, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. There's a lot of pressure. For oh, yeah. sure. So for sure. I'll, uh, I'll slide back away from the photography for a minute. We went okay. on that. And let's talk a little bit about uh, Brick and Ivy, which I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I'm sure. sure you're not going to answer for me. Because when you <laughs> walk in the door... You specifically told me that I cannot ask you where the location is. Is there are you guys keeping that secret for a reason? Yes, we mm. are. Um, reason being is that I am a, in every sense of the word, a perfectionist. Sure. Um, okay. And I want it to be at a completion level right. where I'm showing it in confidence sure. that it's where I need it to be. Well, I get that. And it's not there yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> Definitely Listen, not there yet. Not everything can just be spewing it out onto a microphone and then no. slowing up on the internet yeah. for our people to listen to. Hi, folks. Um, <laughs> um, no, and I, and, I, and I appreciate actually that because I, I remember look, I went to the website, uh, brickandivyvenue.com was one of numerous websites you have up there. You're doing a very good job getting across social media platforms, by the Thank way. Thank you. I have to admit that. Um, and there was not as much information as I was hoping for. So I was like, oh my goodness, uh-huh. I'm not sure when she gets in. Uh-huh. Uh, but people, uh, people can go to the website, brickandivyvenue.com. Or the uh, landing page. Or the landing page, yeah. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll ask you this. It does talk a little bit about, uh, you said on the, web, on the site, it's a late 19th century factory. Uh, mm-hmm. Was this just because you found a location and fell in love with it? Or were you looking for something sort of along I those lines? I was looking... For this. For this specifically. For okay, this interesting. exact type of mm-hmm. space. And I was having a hard time finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, a very hard time finding it. Oh, sure. I looked at some some classic um, Utica locations that were vacant, and they just weren't, for one whatever one reason or the other, mm-hmm. working out. Um, I was looking for about two years. And, sure. um, you know, I just the, the feel of the space wasn't, wasn't giving me, mm-hmm. wasn't giving me, goosebumps sure of course yeah, of, yeah. of each space um and i really really wanted it to be mm. white white the, yeah, the brick yeah. to be white and sure. have it have the ability for it to be white um to, to kind of set it apart sure of course seeing yeah. a lot of industrial spaces that kind of all well yeah, a lot of the yeah they just buy they they yeah. dig into what the aesthetic that's already there is and kind Correct. of double down yeah. on it right yeah yeah, yeah. this is kind of a cleaner fresher um more minimal take on sure. it um i mean there's factories that um that have that clean white open air like with with, sure. nat- with great natural light um, yeah. that's kind of what I'm well that's a big for, important yeah. part too is getting that light I'm the sure natural light is yeah. the, was the biggest yeah um, makes sense in my, in my decision for sure now you guys are looking to be open by spring of 2018 is the general term is, yeah so yeah. there there are actually um, a few parts to this to this space mm-hmm. um, there's the front space which eventually will turn into a larger indoor ceremony space, mm-hmm. um, but right now that's just going to be the only space available right. at first, which is roughly forty six hundred square feet. Um, the which will connect to the back space that has, I think, a total of twenty seven mm-hmm. foot tall windows are gorgeous, mm-hmm. um, and that will there's a doorway that goes into a big mm-hmm. concrete industrial courtyard, really? which nice. is. Is amazing. I think it's the biggest selling point awesome. of the space for sure. Now, um, I don't want to sound too naive here. What is uh, the site itself has the spot listed as gathering space, 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 like what type of like events, venue kind of things are you planning on doing here for people? Primarily weddings. Primarily weddings. Um, yeah. I mean, 
kind of thought about brainstorming and making up our own events. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was going to ask. Far. Like, um, is there part of it that's like, you know, you could use this venue for weddings, but also this could be sort of headquarters. Really anything. I mean, yeah. outside of like ragers, like, well, like raves. Or like, <laughs> I mean, a lot of good money in raves. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you should do it, but. Unless somebody comes to me with a right rave, I guess. <laughs> I, is that a thing? The thing. right. <laughs> no, this was the right rave. Somebody showed There's up. No, and I don't, is a wrong rave, yeah. I, I don't normally do raves, but this guy, he really, he sold me really on it. <laughs> Well, look, you've been getting a lot of good buzz for it. I noticed today you were posting it on the Facebook, but you guys were named uh, one of the top uh, venues on Venue Report, or top global, uh, sorry, top 100 global uh, <laughs> venues to open in 2018 this year coming up. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, <laughs> did not see it coming. I was so excited to see it. Oh, ven- venue Report is one of the most revered mm. lists of, of, of venue curated Sure. you know, selection list, I guess, yeah, yeah, um, in the world. And it's um, it's definitely the one that I respect the most. Um, oh, yeah. So I always am, you know, following it and liking up all their mm. cool posts and, oh, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So they had this, um, this they were kind of hyping up this buzz for, for, the, for that announcement of what the, mm. the, the new and upcoming um, awesome venues are going to be. And, yes. uh, and they said they were going to post it live at, Five Pacific Standard Time or whatever, um, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see it. I can't <laughs> wait to see all these other cool venues and get draw some inspiration from mm. from theirs. And I'm scrolling down, and I almost spit. That would give me wine out my nose. <laughs> I was gonna say, give me like I, I don't know how to handle that. Yeah, I, I I wasn't expecting it even slightly, so it well, was awesome. What was interesting too about it is as I'm going through a lot of lists, and I ended up looking at a lot of the venues sure. that were on here. You know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to talk about Utica in that way, but there wasn't a lot of, like, smaller city locations. A lot of these are set up in, like, Nashville and Denver and New York City and all these other places. And it was, in France, there's one I'm looking at right now. France. You know what I mean? And and then right there is Utica. And I think it's amazing (laughs) that, you know, you're getting this sort of press and buzz for it early on, which means you guys are probably doing something right. It seems like you're working on the right path. It's tricky. It's, Mm. that space is not ready. And that—that's what I think is cool about being on that list because it's not even. I mean, it's. Well, I guess that's the other question I was going to ask you is, you know, you're probably doing like a day job and stuff still too. Like, and do you have a day job besides this? Like, I don't. Like, I you don't. Just so you're doing this all the time. So this is like um, everything you're plugging into. Like, how many I, hours a day are you down there working? Um, it varies. Um, had a little. Um, a little spill off of scaffolding uh, set. Oh so. my god! Is that you? Right, you got the. I was going to ask you about the arm cast. I was. I didn't yeah. want to like make a thing out of it. Are you all right? Is I'm that... okay. Um, yeah, it's so that set me back a little bit, but it's. Um, I'm doing a lot of the work on my own, and I have some. Sure. I am going to have some help with with some of the, the tougher things right. like um, uh, any type of saw use. I probably right. Sure. Hardware. Yeah, like any sort of like, well, I'm. So you're doing, you're probably doing everything. You're probably picking, you probably picked the venue, you always picked the venue already, mm-hmm. but you're probably doing, you gotta go through and pick tables, chairs, all the, everything, like yeah. every little detail. Glad That's the part that oh, people yeah. probably don't give enough credit to is yeah. all the details. And those are, those details are the, the most important thing that will set us apart. So it makes a difference. So it's a lot of thought, a lot of careful thought has to be put into each decision made, um, but then again, so many decisions that need to. Right. Right. Keep moving along with them, um, and just make a decision sometimes. <laughs> so I guess I'll ask you this: Are you still committed to spring twenty eighteen, or is that more the of a front? Soft the day? front space, yes. Right, um, not yeah. the back. The back stuff won't be done hmm. by then, um, but it will be a good way to 
to generate some interest mm. and kind of see um, where the the bumps in the road are, and then for the opening of the back space, we'll have a a really tight grasp on what's going on. Wonderful. Uh, well, Anna, I wish you the best of luck, uh, Thank folks. You. If you want, thanks wanna... for having me over. Oh no, well you're not leaving yet. Don't worry, just okay. yet. We got one more thing to do. Um, so, folks, if you want to go to the website, it's brickandivyvenue.com. You can also go on Facebook at Brick and Ivy Venue. Uh, I won't give them your personal Facebook. I don't know if you want people following you on <laughs> there. Okay. Or you can go to Venue Report. I will try and link this from our page when I. Uh, we have an we Instagram put this account up. as well. Instagram? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? No. All right. Okay. We'll talk about that. Right. <laughs> no, You're going to Twitter shame me. I am going to. No, that's all right. Listen, I, I've been on Twitter for too long. I was one of those guys. I'm, I'm like 32, so. About 10 years ago when Twitter was first popping, I was in my early 20s, and I was right in the target demographic. I've been on Twitter for long enough where I kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. Need I, don't even, I don't understand it, to be honest. It's, that sounds stupid. But. It's a lot. No, no, you're, you're nothing wrong with you saying that because I think that one of the things that stops Twitter from being Facebook or Instagram or yeah. these other platforms is it's not easily accessible at first glance. You have to put yeah. like a little bit of work into it to make it work for you. Right. I think it's useful for news and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that seems like that makes sense. And when I was in my early 20s, I definitely got more play of talking to my friends and people on there. That doesn't seem to happen as much now. Mostly I'm looking at news stories or sort of coordinating with other businesses, which is sure. useful. All right. Uh, Anna, let's do the lightning round questions <laughs> uh, before I let you get out of here. These sure. are the last, I'm oh, sorry, these are the same five or six questions that I ask everybody who's been on the show for the last hundred some odd episodes we will start with this one on a green when you wake up in the morning how do you God. take your coffee black black coffee were you always a black coffee person we have black coffee is very popular here as an answer did you have to get into black coffee over time or were you immediately a black coffee person i um my personality is pretty strong so pretty strong <laughs> so i mean i i like liquor straight Mm. Wine, I, I primarily drink wine. Red wine, really, red wine. really dry. Yeah, mm. Mm. but very nice. I, so I, I actually just started drinking coffee about a year ago. Really, were you a tea person, or you just not doing? I anything just never anymore? drink wow. anything. See that drive? That would that's the one that blows my mind. I'm such a sucker. I've been I bought into big coffee many years ago, and now if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, like my day is ruined. Somehow. <laughs> like, All right, so uh, Anna, you uh, what was your first automobile growing up? Um, I had an Acura Integra. Acura Integra, yes. Yo, Acuras were fly, though. That's a good car to have growing up. a super fly car. My buddy had an Acura growing up. It was a (laughs) Acura 7-something. Not an Acura 7. It was the fastest car of all the cars any of my friends yeah, in high school had. Yeah, it was like had. when that, that time period of like Fast and the Furious came out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, my friend. Put stupid aftermarket parts all over your cars. I would just put the sticker in the back of my car that says <laughs> Nas, <laughs> but like I didn't actually have Nas. <laughs> um, you may or may awesome. not <laughs> you may or may have not have taken your Acura to see it. What was your first live music concert experience, whatever? Uh, Fiona Apple. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh man. My sister loved Fiona Apple growing up. It's one of three CDs that I think of. My sister's about 10 years older than me, and she would play the same three CDs mm-hmm. every day growing up when I was a kid. Bob Marley's Legend, the self-titled Sublime album, and the Fiona Apple the Fiona Apple album that had Criminal on it, which I think was oh, yeah, yeah, title, that was, I think. Yep, yeah. that was the concert I went to. That, yeah, now she's, yeah. she's kind of underappreciated 
I, I think agree. Most people really like her, but I don't hear her get named on lists with like these like inspirational female performers over the years. Yeah. Uh, certainly didn't win a Grammy last night, but of course Grammys were rough last night. Um, all right. Uh, this is a tough one, so I'm going to give it to you now, and if you want a minute, we'll come back to it, okay? I don't like where this is going. All right. If you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is oh, not your family, who would it be and why? Living or dead, not your family, who would it be and why? We can come back to it if you yeah, want. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. We'll come back to it. All right. I'll give you an easier one, then. Super boring person today. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. This question stumps everybody for some reason. I thought I was the... I always thought it was weird when people had didn't have an answer for that question. Turns out I'm the weird one because I did have an answer for that question. Really? <laughs> right? like, I was the one. Alright, so I'll give you an easier one. Uh, we'll start. We'll come back to that later. Okay. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Oh my god, I, I have to say this because anybody sure. that knows me will just die of embarrassment <laughs> I watch I don't really watch TV at all sure um, but I watch the most terrible movies mm. two stars or less yes. otherwise I want nothing to do yes. with it half a star is my ideal I'm into it I'm into um, it but I've been watching this show with Susan Lucci I think her name was she was like a Susan soap Lucci, star yes but the, it's called Deadly Affairs Deadly Affairs uh, on Amazon it's like a series oh, of like episodes where you know, love triangles gone wrong, kind of. And it's super dramatic and ridiculous. And every time a new uh, mistress comes onto the camera set or camera scene, um, wind blows through their hair. Yes, it's it's literally that bad. And be. I watch it religiously. That's all I do when I'm like editing photos. Is it Amelie Lancho? I'm gonna look it yeah, up. Yeah, it's it's so bad. I'm gonna look it up. Yep, on my you're so bad. You have to watch. I'm it. gonna look it up. I'm here. I grew up watching a show called Mystery Science Theater where they would take old B movies like from the 50s and 40s and then make fun of them while the movie was on. Like they show oh, the old yeah, movie yeah, and yeah, make fun yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, I know so I, I appreciate like a movie that's really really bad. Um, all right, I'll give you. You want a minute for your dinner one, or do you want to skip past it? Skip past. I, I'll skip yeah, past. I don't it. That's even... okay. Sorry. Uh, Besides Deadly Affairs on Amazon, and besides, uh, obviously, strong whiskeys and wines, uh, (laughs) design, photography, venue searches, give me one more thing uh, before I let you go that you are passionate about. I am super passionate about thrift stores and weird, crappy, Mm. you know, flea markets, I guess. Did you go to the antique? There was a big antique fair this weekend, wasn't there? A lot of people were going to some antique show or something that was going on. I guess I'm not that into it because I didn't hear about it. Well, we had an event this weekend, so I certainly didn't go. I just saw a bunch of people floating around with bags full of antiques this weekend. Oh, so like, I, I missed miss out on that. Yeah, I do like a thrifting, though. Back in the day, well, when I was living in New York, back in the day, when I was living in New York, that actually had a friend who did a whole side business of just that. She would go to all the thrift stores she could find in Brooklyn yeah. and just then take stuff she found and, like, upsell it on Etsy, and she made, like, a nice little, yeah, like, bonus I, money doing it. it was, I'm considering doing that, like, kind of with... with I don't have enough to do right now. Yeah. Um, Listen, eventually. That's um, where we live in now. you got to have like three or four yeah, things now, it seems I, like, doesn't it? It's, that's kind of like where my passion lies, I mm. guess. And I have the space for it. Um, so I can kind of, eventually, once things get settled down, I will definitely pursue that. Because I, I love, love, love doing that. Anna Green, I want to thank you for joining us here today in the studio. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. Uh, best of luck going forward with Rick and Ivy. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to spring of 2018. Uh, best of luck with Andrew Photography. Thank you. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for Thanks joining for us. Uh, it was a real pleasure. 
folks, uh, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. brickandivyvenue.com, Brick and Ivy on Facebook. Check it out. Very exciting stuff. Uh, before we go into history lessons, I have one more thing I was thinking of about Toys R Us before we get off of it. Do you remember, you probably won't remember this, Heather, but Kev, you might. Uh, it was a boy's toy. That's oh, why I don't okay. remember. Do you remember Street Sharks? Yeah. Street Sharks were dope. That was a dope toy that I remember getting. Okay, so Street Sharks no. were like, they were like <laughs> humanoid sharks. Right, they're like the Ninja Turtles, right? Okay. You know, yeah, Ninja yeah, Tur- no. It, it was Didn't like they ride a- motorcycles, and they're like. That was the biker mice okay. from Mars. Okay, keep going. Keep right, going okay. The, the street sharks were different types of sharks, but they were like jacked, and they wore like Leather. cool gear. Nope. Right, yeah, I, I had the hammerhead one. I remember what his name was, but he was very dope. That was a good Toys R Us toy for me that I remember all the time being very excited about. Uh, I mean, just real quick, just because you got to talk about yours, I was baby alive. Like you first, had a baby alive? Yeah, it was Ooh. like one of the first times I actually pooped its pants. I and remember that. That's really cool. Thank you. Just wanted to say my toy. My sister had <laughs> like uh, dollhouses that I would always smash with my Godzilla oh and my she would God. get pissed. Yeah. Well, I thought They're not easy to put back together. Godzilla smashes houses. That's his whole MO. Godzilla yields to no man. <laughs> he yields to no house and no toy. Kev, do you have any like big toys you remember growing up like you really into? Um... I remember really, really young being into Ninja Turtles a lot. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, and sure. then I feel like there was probably a Power Rangers phase after that. Do you remember this toy? This is like and a... Legos. Lego. Oh, yeah. A Legos, trip yeah. to Toys R Us for me when I was a kid was always a trip to go um, look at the $100 Lego sets that nobody wanted no, to afford me. <laughs> and like and try to scam my mom into getting one of like that 8 to like $18, like little, but not so little that it's just a guy in like a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like one of the small ones and just go look at all the different Legos you could possibly buy. That's the thing that sticks out. It's my first thought is it was still the aisle all the way to the left of the store when you walk in. You can remember where. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to grow up. Toys R Us kid. Toys R Us kid. All right. Um, so let's get to this week's history lessons. Uh, I we, thought Toys R Us was the history I know, lesson. Because uh, no. it's been around for a long time. A time when retail flourished. <laughs> a time when retail A time when retail when flourished. Remember when you used to be able to go to the store and buy things? That's true. Uh, all right. So history lesson on this day, February 2nd, 1887. Uh, Groundhog's Day, featuring a rodent meteorologist, celebrated for the first time at Gobbler's Knob in Puxa- That's the name of the place in Puxatoni, Pennsylvania. Uh, it actually started from a tradition called Candlemas Day, where clergy, uh, Catholic clergy, would hand out uh, and bless candles needed for winter, and the candles represented how long uh, and cold the winter would be. The Germans decided this is okay, but we need to add some sort of animal as prediction device so they added a hedgehog and it wasn't until it came to the americas uh where the groundhog was the animal they were chosen on okay yeah so, <laughs> yep. so there you go uh on 1887 right so the uh newspaper editor in puxatoni philadelphia uh, pennsylvania called the puxatoni groundhog club uh america's only true weather forecasting groundhog right and that's why this is the place where uh, it seems like tens of thousands of people converge every year, which seems 
so outrageous. People just like stuff to do. Yeah, they're just bored. At that point, you're just going to the party. (laughs) I know. Uh, Puck's Tonyville is not the only rodent, though. There's also Birmingham Bill from Staten Island. I'm sorry, Birmingham Bill, Staten Island Chuck, and then some guy in Canada called Shabenacady Sam. The Belschnickel. The Belschnickel. Yeah, it's Belschnickel. Um, uh, I think that the only thing that people care about with Groundhog's Day is the movie. Because the movie yeah, is I sort of... Movie. Yeah, it's more popular than the holiday, I feel like. People love Groundhog yeah, Day. I, is it even... Can you count on a holiday? Nobody's getting the day off. It's, I know, it's on the calendar. That's the worst part. That's <laughs> it was Groundhog Day. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Replace it with Rusev Day. Rusev, every day is Rusev Day. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> on this day, January 29th, 1936, it was Rusev Day. But it was also uh, the U.S. Baseball Hall of Fame's first... Members elected day. There were five members elected to the first baseball Hall of Fame class. Do you know any of them? Can you name any of them? Why are you looking right at me? Because some of them are predictable. Who the most famous baseball player? There you go. That's one of them. You got one. Kev, can you name any of the other four who's not Babe Ruth? Uh, Is that a Jesse guy? Ty Cobb? There you go. Boom. See, you guys got it. I... Yeah. Love it. Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson. I could have gotten two of those, maybe. No, I was going to say Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner was going to be my guest, and I was like, maybe he was too obscure. I always think about the baseball card, right? Honus Wagner is known for having the most expensive baseball card in the world. Uh, Do you guys know who invented the game of baseball? Uh, They say it's Abner Doubleday, but maybe somebody else. Abner Doubleday, right? That's the name? You ever heard that name before? No, thank you for sharing. Uh, Doubleday Field, Donald Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Hall of Fame is a great day trip. I've been there. It's the best. Um, It's a good time. So a private organization based in Cooperstown called the Clark Foundation thought that establishing the Baseball Hall of Fame in the city would help rejuvenate like the Depression-ravaged economy and get tourists there. So to sell the idea, the foundation advanced this idea that U.S. Civil War hero Abner Doubleday invented baseball in Cooperstown. The story itself is not true, but baseball officials, eager to capitalize on the marketing and publicity potential of the museum, gave their support to the project anyway. So, if you ever go to Abner Doubleday Field, just remember, it's all a big scam. It's a nice field. I'm sure there was some excellent baseball played there, but Abner Doubleday was not the guy who invented baseball. Everything's the worst. Don't enjoy anything. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll give you a <laughs> fair point. He makes, a, he makes a great point. I know where you it's get true. it from. Um, so, today, they get about 350,000 visitors a year, which is kind of crazy. My so my sister works in Cooperstown. Yeah. Um. And we, I had been down there to the Hall of Fame like when I was a kid. I'd never been for an induction weekend. And but she works there, and she works at the hospital, and she works in trauma. So anything that happens near there, within a huge range as well, goes through her hospital. Mm-hmm. And just talking to her about how like it's tough to really appreciate the scope because if you've ever been to Cooperstown, it's an idyllic little teeny tiny town, and just the scope of that many people dropping on it for a week oh, or a yeah. weekend is truly like. One of the crazier human migrations that happens all over the country. Um, so I asked you guys who the first Baseball Hall of Fame class was. That was in 1936. Uh, they actually inducted four people this year into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Heather, I'm sure you don't know any. You're can looking I, at me like you're... Can confused. I just try? Yeah, try. go ahead. Yeah. I just try. Please. You want to uh, guess what? Yeah, you can try. Um, is it too early for A-Rod to go in there? Yes. It is a little too early for A-Rod, Oh, so right? it's like way back. So like, five no, years. No, it's no, five not years. way back. You've got to be retired for five, five years. years. 
So we are in range now. You think of like people we know from being like kids. Yeah. Okay. Names that we heard and stuff. I now only remember Nolan Ryan when I was little. Did he oh, he's been in for a long time. Okay, I'm done. Right. Done. He retired. I he, tried. He was, was very. Good. He I was tried. old when we were young. I don't think we knew that yeah. when we were young. He was already like forty when we were little kids. Have you know any of the four already? Um, didn't they Chipper Jones? Chipper Jones. I feel that like was he the... was already I'm in start though. Googling during this. Huh? I feel. I feel like Chipper. I thought Chipper Jones got in like four years ago. No, he's in this year. Very confused. Him, Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman. Never heard. Vladimir Guerrero was cool because he was the kind of player you know how like you, if you ever see a baseball player or an athlete now they have all sorts of like gear on yeah. they got, like the wrist pads. The, the batting yeah. gloves yeah, yeah. No. Vlad Guerrero wore nothing just raw hands and like swinging <laughs> that wood like oh, but yeah just yeah, his shirt sleeves amazing <laughs> what a stud and he Loved would swing it. at anything and he would hit them all out he could swing <laughs> like just swinging a ball in the dirt no ball was too bad for him to swing it and he'd hit the most unreasonable balls 500 feet Vlad the Impaler should have been a Yankee thanks a lot George uh, oh, so true. On this day, January 31st, 1990, uh, the Soviet Union's first McDonald's fast food restaurant opened in Moscow. Throngs of people lined up to pay the equivalent of several days' wages for Big Macs, shakes, and French fries. Kind of seems weird that, like, 1990 doesn't seem that long ago, and that was only the first one, right? Like, it just seems crazy to me. No, because before that, it was it was still mm. Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. So they weren't letting Western were letting corrupting <laughs> influences come in. Like, that was shortly after the Berlin Wall fall. It's correct. Uh, the, not Berlin Wall, I'm sorry, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, the appearance of the notorious system of capitalism and the enthusiastic reception to it received from the Russian people were signs that time was changing in the, in the Soviet Union. Uh... For the average journal, uh, an American journalist on the scene at the time reported that customers seemed most amazed at the quote simple sight of polite shop workers in this nation of commercial boorishness. That's a harsh phrase, turn of phrase. Very Russian phrase. Um, so they said, yeah, the arrival of McDonald's in Moscow was a small but certain sign that change was on the horizon. In fact, less than two years later, Soviet Union ceased to exist as a nation. Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as leader of the country, and various Soviet republics proclaimed their independence. So thanks, McDonald's, I suppose. I don't never want to give McDonald's all the credit. No. <laughs> then they found out, then the KGB found out they could buy the American presidency with a couple Big Macs <laughs> and a Diet Coke. Like, it's all coming around. He that. loves the McDonald's. The McDonald's is in Russia. Yeah. I'm well, saying there's well, layers to these things. It's because it's obvious <laughs> that you can't be poisoned. That's, it's, said, that's, that's a, that's a it's also, theory. It's that's all, I blame the deep state and the globalists. <laughs> uh, we, won't, we won't do this whole one, but um, January 30, this is a stupid one. I thought it was funny. January 31st, 2007, Cars.com named their most memorable TV cars of all time. You guys want to okay. take a guess at what the number one most memorable one was? Uh, mm-hmm. Like Knight Rider? Yes, wow, oh. good call. Knight, Knight Rider. Rider and then probably like the General Lee as well. That's number two? Mm. Um, okay, okay, let's see. The like, We don't count the DeLorean because that's on TV, right? I was livid. That, that, <laughs> I was livid that it's not on here because I was like, it's so not on um, here. Actually, <laughs> um, I'm trying cars? to think who else has TV got. cars. From my mind, Steve Urkel's little clown car, I will never forget. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, That's see? a good one. That's right. I forgot um, about that. A hint. Um, one of them was a cartoon. Oh boy! Uh, where they solved various spooky mysteries. Scooby Doo. Yes, the Scooby Doo mystery. Yeah, 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 that's that's on there. I never thought that. That makes sense. I wasn't uh, thinking that. I'll, I'll run through a couple here. Fourth place was the Ferrari 308 GTS from Magnum PI. I was going to say that. Really? I, I, I was going to say I never would have guessed that. Really? I do. I love Tom Selleck. He's like, got a great mustache. I, I just him. realized in my head that I always think of Magnum PI and Knight Rider as the same thing. It's the same. I just realized <laughs> in my head that like show. I know that they're not, but in my head they all sort of blend into like the same copy. Oh. Shout out to GFOP Steve Anderson. Fifth on the list was the 1955 Batmobile from the TV show. Mm, 
Also rounding out the list, the Grand Torino from Starts Ian Hutch. Uh, the 1973 El Camino from My Name is Earl, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know. No. Uh, the 1983 GMC G-Series from the A-Team, that big van. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay, this one's weird. The Mach 5 from the show Speed Racer, the cartoon Speed Racer. Oh, I forgot about that. Do you remember that? Barely. I love Speed Racer. Barely. Go Speed Racer. I, I was not a Speed Racer. <laughs> Speed Racer's all right. Watch the movie. It's pretty good. Uh, and then this one, just to make everyone laugh, the 2005 Maserati scene. On Entourage. That's right. <laughs> the car from Entourage. Boom. Not, not that Lincoln? Not the Lincoln. The Maserati, apparently. Seems silly. Uh, we won't get too far into this, uh, but it just it's timely. Um, <laughs> you say that. It's timely. This weekend coming up is the Super Bowl. We didn't talk about it with you, Heather, last week. Super Bowl That's is okay. this weekend. That's <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> uh, it is the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles, two of the most easily dislikable, eminently hateable teams uh, that I can think of. But I was trying to figure this out, right? Was there a point in time that the Patriots were likable? Yeah, I don't probably. ever remember them being likable, though. You don't remember them being likable, right? Yeah. I have two scenarios here. These are two history lessons that popped up today. February 3rd, 2002, New England Patriots win their first Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams. On this day, uh, Adam Vinatieri kicked a 48-yard uh, uh, field goal with seconds left to upset the heavily favored Rams. That was the first year Tom Brady was there. It was like an underdog story. I feel like this was the probably the last moment for me the Patriots were like, yeah, this is a good story. I like this team, right? Yeah, probably. Because this is before they were openly cheaters. <laughs> like, just cheating all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Because six years later, on February 3rd, 2018, they were upset by the New York Giants oh, in Super Bowl fun. 42. That was a lot of fun. And, and by this time, the Patriots were hateable, and I think this is the last time for me that the New York Giants were likable. Sorry, Giants fans. <laughs> no, because didn't they beat them again? Yes, in 2012. That was also nice. That was also, <laughs> that was also nice. <laughs> yeah. Heather, give me a prediction for the Super Bowl. Give me a score. Who's going to win the game? Oh, um, I, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Uh, it's a smart call. We'll go 24-7. No, 24-14. 24-14. That's bearable. I like that. I said 27-21 to 21 last week. Cap, you want to give me a fake score? I expect the Patriots to win by at least 70 points. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's fair. But I am pulling for the Eagles to embarrass them. I think the real score will shake out something around uh, high 30s to mid 20s. So, uh, like, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of football math. I'm trying to think of, like, feasible numbers you can get to with a football score. So, like, 38 to 20. 38? I'll take 38 to 24. 38 to 24. I like it. So, Heather, Sam, Kevin. Very good. We'll come back to that next week. Um... So I have a few wild stories that we can close out on. Oh, Kev, you actually brought a history lesson. You want to talk about Vampire Weekend? Did I? Yeah, you oh, said... Oh, is that a history lesson? It could be I, if you want. I mentioned to you earlier today that that first self-titled Vampire Weekend album came out 10 years ago today, which is crazy because I remember feeling like I was all grown up and when that album came out, and it doesn't seem like 10 years ago, back in the back in the glory days. Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I love that album. Like, it's a really... I don't want to say it's a really important album because no, I don't know. If it, it was a big album for like me and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends growing up. And uh, I went on Rolling Stone today and looked up a bunch of stuff about it. And I just thought this was interesting. Do you know that they had a manifesto that they had for that particular album for stuff they would and would not do, including stuff like no distortion, no punk, uh, no post punk, no trip hop. Like they put in like quantifiers mm-hmm. or stuff they would and would not do. Yeah. And I love that. 
mm-hmm. and they would go back and write stuff down, and be like, "Oh, that was too rock and roll. We got to cut it back." A that little bit. Uh, that first self-titled album is a good album to put on in a mixed group when you need like some kind of background yes. music. You know Everyone what I mean? Like if you're it. if you've got everybody over and the group in your backyard, you're having a cookout. You just need something like low key to throw on in the mm-hmm. background. Oh, yeah. That album's kind of a crowd pleaser. Um, I found a lot of older at the time older folks asking me about that album. My stepdad really likes it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they do a lot of like that Paul Simon vibe mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Oh yeah. All right, very good. Vampire Weekend. Did you yeah. like Vampire Weekend? Never heard of I've never heard of them. I wouldn't remind you. Yes, you have. You've heard. You've heard at least two songs. Okay, I probably heard definitely. two songs. Do you like Paul Simon? Yes. Then you'll like Vampire okay. Weekend. Okay. Very much. Um, okay. If I had known when I mentioned that to you earlier, though, that I was going to be contributing to the further perpetration of the <laughs> war crimes that are history lessons on the general public, I wouldn't have told you. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> you tricked me. Uh, bamboozled me. I got hooked. We've talked a lot about wrestling in the last couple weeks and sports, so we won't stay too long on this. Do you have any thoughts about the XFL coming back, Kevin? Add it to the pile. And let let the fire rise. I, very, I don't know. I like, the, I like wrestling, and I remember the XFL because of it, but the only thing the XFL ever really did was give us that sky cam that people see in all the sports games now. There was an article about um, all the different things that they stole, that like NBC sort of asked, that, uh, that the XFL did, that they ended up taking and do now, like mic and quarterbacks, they were the first people to put mics on all mm-hmm. these guys. Uh, that Skycam is a huge thing. So they were actually kind of influential in some of their production values. They very well might be. It's interesting because, like, football, NFL's kind of got a monopoly. So when you bring in an outside set of eyes and these guys who, you know, come from the world of producing pro wrestling shows, you just look at it differently. And so that's where you might get an outside-the-box creative thing like that Skycam was at the time because you just got a fresh set of eyes. It always helps to get a fresh set of eyes on a project. So we'll see what goes on. It can't be any worse than the trash the NFL's trotting out there every Sunday. So all right, so I have a segment here called Celebrity Corner? Question mark? Not be- <laughs> uh, because I don't know if any of these people are technically celebrities anymore, but these are just some wild stories I heard this week I thought were funny. Uh, earlier this week, uh, what do you know about the internet celebrity, the Grumpy Cat? Oh, the cat that just looks grumpy mm-hmm. all the time. The Grumpy yeah. Cat, that's right. Is there, uh, there something else to say about him? <laughs> this perpetually scowling kitty, whose real name is Tartar Sauce, which is hilarious, has been awarded a cool $710,000 in a copyright infringement lawsuit. That cat has so much more money than me. I hate this cat. What are you grumpy about? Oh, my God. That's, that's just sad. You just look at stuff like that, and you're just like, you know, I'm a good person. Yeah, I know. I, I work like, hard. I'm all right. I'm all right. Like, I, I did wrong. I have three cats. Why you know, can't I make any well, money? You don't, because none of your cats have, like, facial deformities. <laughs> <laughs> the internet finds to be cute. <laughs> Gotta hit one of those cats. All right. <laughs> Give it a tweak. That's so, funny. maybe he's not a celebrity. Uh, is 50 Cent still a celebrity? Yeah, of yeah, course. So. Uh, well, 50 Cent failed upward in such an amazing way this week. Um, so, back... In uh, 2014, 50, 50 Cent released an album called Animal Ambition. Uh, it was not a huge selling album for him. Because it was very poor. It's very poor. And I want to say it also came out in the same day as a Kanye album, didn't it? Like, that was a thing? Was that, that was a thing in 2007. Oh, okay. When Graduation came out. Oh, okay. Graduation right, came right. out against uh, 50 Cent's third album on well, the same day. That's right. That's right. That's a whole different thing. Anyhow, 2014, Animal Ambition comes out. Uh, did not sell well. However, one of the things that 50 Cent forgot is that he had allowed Bitcoin payments for people to buy his album, uh, selling it for a fraction of a single Bitcoin back when things were worth about $600 each. Uh, He made about $400,000 in Bitcoin sales at the time. Since then, 
even though he had no idea, that collection is now worth somewhere between seven to $8.5 million. And again, I say, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm just a good guy. Someone could throw me a little bit of this money, right? Just 50, come on, 50. You hear this, 50. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's someone who, okay, how about Jessica Simpson? She's still a celebrity? Kind of. Uh, less than 50 cent. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is an interesting story. She's getting sued this week for posting paparazzi photos that were taken of her ha! on her Instagram. <laughs> At what point in time did, like, I, now this blew my mind because I always assumed, like, okay, if you take a picture of me and I'm not, like, aware that you didn't, like, you know, if I see a picture of me on the internet and I'm in it, I feel like the right to use it. I'm in that yeah, picture. Apparently, yeah. that's not the case. No, you would think so. I've I've fought with this issue. I mean, not that anybody's paparazzi and me, but with uh, with my job, we've had like there'll be times where mm. if you have you know photographers come to that events. Photographers are different, yeah. Where, well, but you have people come to events and you know do things and and you want to take that image and put it on like a social media post or do yeah. something else with it. A lot of times, like, well, you need to pay me for this again. This is my image. I don't care if yeah. it's your place, your show, your everything. You know, when the people own the rights to that image, and I think the problem is, although it seems silly when it happens like Jessica Simpson like that, mm. if you remove that protection, then everybody, then it becomes a sliding scale and nobody's allowed to get paid for their images anymore. Mm. Um, I won't get into this story because it's longer than I want to get into, uh, but this was going to be the last one. Did you guys know that the guy who played Barney the Dinosaur now yeah. runs a tantric sex business? Yes, I read that. There you go. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's something. Um... And then just a quick note for someone from Utica. Do you guys know who Stephen Brill is? I feel like I know that name. He's a favorite of GFOP Justin Parkinson. Uh, Stephen Brill is a TV screenwriter. He's written movies and TV. He's most famous for writing the first two Mighty Ducks movies. Oh, I love That's, those movies. Yeah. Well, it turns out, uh, according to a report from The Hollywood Reporter, Stephen Brill made a great pitch to ABC Studios, and they are now working on a Mighty Ducks TV show, although it doesn't have a network yet. Are you excited for a potential Mighty Ducks television series? No. no? I like the old characters. No. We lost the bag mm. on them. What are you going to do? I know. How long can it's going to be all for? new kids. It's going to make... be like kids' drama, and they're going to fall in love, and yeah, it's going to be silly and so You make robbery. like, you make Pacey the coach, and <laughs> oh, then it's a bunch yeah. of new oh, yeah. kids, yeah, but and, and then like solve... you get like Adam Banks to come in for like one very special episode, and then you're done. No. No, it's going to be too late. And Pacey's going to fall in love with one of the moms, and they're going to fight, and their kids aren't going to get along. It's stupid. I had one quick story, depending yeah. on if you guys know this. Have you ever read The Outsiders, either of you two guys? The I've book, never read The Outsiders? It. Uh, it was like a boy like, thing. Is that the one? Didn't they make the movie? Doesn't the movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I saw the movie. Yeah. The movie was good. Uh, so apparently the author of that book was on Twitter this week, mm -hmm. answering questions about the book itself, which has a very traumatic ending. Yeah. And she was asked on Twitter... Why did you kill these two characters at the end? And her response was hilarious. She just said, "Cause I'm a stone cold bitch." And I think it's I did see that. Like, I, I didn't know that yeah. was the book. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Not because like I assumed that if I ever wrote something to Stephen King about, hey, why did you do that? He would not respond to me. Yeah, right. I guess the fact that she he just... might. He's pretty. He's pretty open with his people too. I, he is pretty. Open. I think you see that a lot with authors more than a lot of other like creators being a little bit more open to engaging people with like written typed dialogue mm. because that's the medium they're most comfortable with you know what I mean I well let's all message Stephen King and see if he responds okay. he's not gonna he's Something blocked me with... years ago after that thing with the Sam creeped yeah. him out in a restaurant one time uh, are you serious Sam made him because Sam took off his shirt 
Oh, I did. It was, well, took we'll off his shirt. I had to show him my Stephen King tattoo that I had. I didn't he had to do yeah, I would have run. He had to pop the tarp. <laughs> Nothing he could do. He just had to do it. All right, uh, guys, you, you guys still pop the top. Moving on. Uh, no moving on. History. Uh, no, this is our last. We're going to close out with a game today. Uh, and it's called, well, we're not going to call it anything. It's just a game about expressions. I'm going to give you guys an expression, a common expression, and we're going to determine the origin of that expression. Are you ready? Yes? Yeah. All right. This is an easy one. Well, not easy one. It's a good one to start with. To bite the bullet. Where do we get the term bite the bullet? To accept something difficult or unpleasant. Where does that come from? Anyone want to take a guess? Uh, long ago? <laughs> long ago. <laughs> it's true. It is no. true. Uh, this is first. <laughs> That's it. Uh, the first recorded use of this phrase was in 1891, uh, when doctors in olden days, it actually says in olden days, were short on anesthesia yeah, or yeah. time during a battle, they would ask patients to bite down on a bullet to distract from the pain of surgery. I would so have never where, guessed that. Yeah. Uh, how about butter someone up, meaning to impress someone with flattery? Where does that come from? <laughs> you want to take a shot at the dark? I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, buttering someone up comes from a customary religious act in ancient India. The devout would throw butter balls at statues of their gods to seek favor and forgiveness. So there you go. All right, I'll give you one more. <laughs> These are we'll, deep. These are deep ones. Well, we'll learn something. Today. I know, I like it. All right, last one and then we'll stop because there's a whole bunch. We'll just stop here though. Okay. Uh, cat got your tongue? Question mark. Uh, asked to a person who is at a loss of words is the meaning. Where do we get the term? Like a cat witch got thing? your tongue. Uh, Sounds like a witch thing. 1638, Plymouth Rock, when they had <laughs> uh, cats that were very hungry. They made the journey. There was not enough corn. Yeah. The crops so didn't yield, and it would, was winter, and the cats would steal the would, tongue because it was the soft tissue. Yeah, because when people were sleeping. And then people couldn't in. talk because mm-hmm. their mouth had yes. been snatched open by a got, feral cat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, it's actually I pretty like close. That. 1638. Yeah. Like pretty that. good, actually. That's closer than I thought. No, uh... So the origin comes from the English Navy. They used a whip called the Caddo Nine Tails, and they used it for mm, flogging. About those. Yeah, they used yeah. it for flogging people. The pain was so severe that it caused victims to stay quiet for long periods I'm of trying. time. Whoa. So the Caddo Nine Tails, the cat got your tongue. That makes sense. I don't think Kevin was close to that one, but I had some I've had the English. I had <laughs> ships. Listen, there, yeah. listen yeah. there are fourteen more of these. So I'm just gonna stop I here. Had a horror, <laughs> psychological terror, everything. Uh, Heather, I'm very happy that you're back. We missed you last week. Nice to see you again. Thanks for everything this weekend, too. You're the best. Thanks. I had fun. It was a good time. Kevin, always a pleasure having you here. Hey, man. I appreciate you making me feel welcome in my own home. That's true. That's all right. Uh, follow, all right. I'll take it. Follow Heather on Twitter, HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SFDoom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, Maiden Utica, Uticast.com uh, for all back and current episodes, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Wow, we're on Apple we're famous. and Android we're platforms now. I, you really are. We're everywhere. We're literally on every single thing in the world with the exception of WKTV. Well, you know, they, sometimes you got to follow those employee mandates. Right, guys? Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that's it, folks. Uh, keep it tight. Sayonara, humanoids. Uh, Woodstock lives. Calling sports isn't a real job. All right, guys, I'll see you later. Bye. (laughs)